0: Welcome to The Hammer Factor. I'm John Grace, your host here at The Hot Seat, and now it's time to light this fire. All right, welcome to this episode of The Hammer Factor, where we help successful athletes and professionals share their genius with the world. We have a stand-up paddling genius on the show with us today. Three-time Molokai to Oahu Oahu SUP stock champion and, I believe, world record holder. You have to correct me if I'm right or wrong on that, Josh. Um, Welcome to the show, Josh Rikio.
1: What's up? Thanks for having me on the show, John.
0: Yeah, dude. Um, So am I correct that you are the record holder? And the stock class for that race?
1: Yeah. I, I um, set the record last year at the 2019 Molokai To Oahu Paddleboard Championship. Um, that's the for the sub-stock record. Right. It was previously held by Kai Linning for six years. He set it in 2012. That was the last year he did the 14-foot stock class. And... He set it at a time of four hours and 22 minutes, which was amazing. Um, you know, it was a time that I just getting, like, within 10 minutes of it was really, really, like, aspirational. Um, and then, you know, last year we had just good conditions, I had really just felt more prepared than ever, great equipment, just everything, um, and made a really good run and uh, crossing last year for um, a total of four hours and eight, eight minutes, 12 seconds.
0: Four oh eight. So you kind of crushed yeah. it, kind of crushed the old record.
1: Yeah, man. Like it was crazy. It was really, um, you know, the conditions were good. The current was really good at the end, which played a huge factor in comparison to other years where I'd been on pace to competing to maybe set the record or close to it, but then get to the last eight miles of that race and the current, goes against you it's basically paddling up river um and upwind almost so so yeah it was cool man it's that's that's my 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 uh, biggest accomplishment i would say in the water right now that i get to look at is that that record
0: sick well i want to talk more about that race and getting ready for that event and i have a whole host of questions but before we get going is there something that you can share with our audience that most people don't know about you
1: Yeah, um, yeah. well, I mean, that's, you know, the M2O thing, that's such a big part of who I am as a paddler, and I think a lot of people who know me as a paddler, you know, kind of associate me with that channel and stuff, but um, I think the biggest thing that would catch a lot of people off guard right now is that I am a pretty devout cat dad. (laughs) Me and my girl Victoria, rescued a cat earlier this year, and we are just lunatics when it comes to being cat parents. We are so, we laugh at ourselves. So I am a dorky cat dad. Sweet.
0: (laughs) So where are you right now?
1: So I I live in Lahaina Maui, which is on the west side of Maui. Um, I've been out here for 10 years now. Um, It's where paddling got started for me. And it's where I've been on lockdown during this whole, you know, virus and weirdness.
0: Yeah, and and where did you grow up? Where are you from?
1: So I'm from the Florida Gulf Coast of, um, like the Central Gulf Coast area. Bradenton and Maria Island is the uh, beaches and town that I grew up in. Uh, learned how to fish, surf, skimboard. Uh, wake skate just kind of all the first things that connected me to the ocean were there and then uh you know the passion for surfing and playing in a bigger ocean uh brought me out to maui 10 years ago when i was still in college i kind of transferred out here under that was kind of the excuse like oh yeah i'm gonna you know finish finish off college out in hawaii
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so how did you get on a stand-up board
1: you know once i moved to maui um you know, everybody was, stand-up was blowing up in in Maui um, when I first visited, actually, before I moved here. Um, I had a college roommate move out here um, before I did. He just was loving it, was, you know, so happy on his move. So I came and visited him, saw it, like there was more people on a paddleboard than anything else on the water um, in 2009, 2010 in Maui so it was just like an automatic thing to get into um at first it was really just to kind of like play around um if the waves weren't good or or you know kind of appetizing for the shortboard. but then once I got into canoe club um I started paddling with the Hawaiian outrigger canoe club out here and I saw it as a way to kind of cross train for that um sport and to kind of build up my Um, you know just technique and stuff as a canoe paddler I could go stand up in between on the off seasons
0: are you still canoe paddling
1: yeah yeah so I I still canoe. I've still been an active member of the canoe club that I paddle with uh they're called Napili Canoe Club located out of uh, West Maui and um yeah like it it that's really how I kind of got into paddling was the canoe club i i thought stand-up paddling was just such a novelty thing at first but then in the canoe club you know paddling is so kind of related and tied in with the culture out here that you you really kind of take it to just a, another level of like seriousness and a, an appreciation and respect for it so i got into the canoe paddling then I saw the stand-up paddling when it wasn't really that serious or professional at the time, and was like, "This is really relatable." As a surfer, the stand-up paddleboard is kind of the happy medium between a surfboard and a canoe. I'm standing up like a like a surfer, but I'm paddling like a like a canoeer or paddler. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of like a a natural. Just it was always it was perfect environment. Perfect opportunities to get into it, um, you know. There's, there's just so many, yeah, so many reasons to get into it out here. There, there pe- the, people out here, you know, this is where it started. Paddle stand up paddling really kind of got revived out here by Dave Kalama, Laird Hamilton, um, you know. So everybody was getting into it. Zane Schweitzer was, you know, making a name for himself. Connor Baxter was winning channel crossings at a young age. Um, so it just really appealed to me to get in involved on the surfing side, the racing side, and just the recreational side.
0: In those early days, did, did anyone spring out as a mentor? Anyone who really was a catalyst to, or, or got you off. Yeah.
1: Like, I mean, I've always had like a really supportive, um, mom, you know, like, my parents have always been really supportive of just like pursuing your passions, um, always you know encouraged me to go and kind of travel out to Maui you know and try living out there at a really young age you're in your young 20s so why not do it now that was kind of their their backing um and then so you know I've always had great support from my family just to do anything even if it's crazy and um and then you know really the canoe club was a had just so many influences in that club and I still do um you know, just there's such a part of my life out here that they really molded me into the paddler that I am today. By just kind of guiding me into the the more you know, um, bigger challenges like channel crossings and stuff. Um, and and yeah, really, guys like Dave Kalama, um, you know, were there in the beginning, and they still motivate me. Archie Kalepa is another name that. Um, I, I really should give him credit. He's he really um, helped just kind of get me started and just provided that example to like aspire towards. And um, man, you know, I could really like just on Maui alone. There's so many people that were just killing it when I first got into it. That you know still are like Zane Switzer. I'll have to you know credit him again because when I heard what he was doing on the surfing paddleboard or seeing what he was doing I was like this is insane like Hmm. you know I just was blown away by how kind of closed-minded I thought paddleboarding could be and just when I was seeing what guys were doing out here at that early phase of paddling it was really inspiring to get into it
0: what's the canoe club like do you guys meet at a beach do you like you know how does it work
1: out there It's it it operates kind of like um kind of like a family slash club. So um you know it's it's kinda hard to explain and understand at first just like all the moving parts and just the way things go, where you're supposed to be, when and where. But over time it just kind of like you just it becomes a part of your life. Um so For, you know, a lot of people that grew up here, um, locals and Hawaiians, it's something that they started at a young age. Um, Their parents and grandparents got them into the canoe, um, and it's a way for them to kind of practice and perpetuate their culture. At the same time, you kind of have another half of the club are people kind of like me that come out to Hawaii and are looking for some kind of like family community bond and the canoe club is that. Um, you know all the all the Hawaiians and locals here really are pretty welcoming when it comes to trying out, you know, the jumping in the canoe and everyone's pretty patient with showing you the do's and the don'ts. So at first, you know, you, you are such a novice. And you need you know, they're showing you how to hold your paddle and how to make changes and stuff. And then, you you know, you get into some fun crews, and, you know, you start really enjoying some awesome racing, like channel crossings and stuff. There's all these little functions to fundraise or to kind of um, or, yeah, really just a lot of things are, you know, based around fundraising, like, you know, um, clean it, you know, getting a pig donated to the club. Then we clean the pig, um, prepare it, you know. Make an emu a pit in the ground, do the whole process of Sick. having the food ready the next day at our race that we're hosting. So we're selling our our plate lunches and just like all those those the time you're you're there, even not paddling, just hanging out, doing maintenance on the boat and stuff. It's just such a it's just such a lifestyle and a culture, kind of like um really unique to Hawaii um you know the way we do it out here we have designated beaches beach parks that that have um allotted space on the beach for these clubs to have a clubhouse like a functioning um i forget like a crew house or a rowing house i forget mm-hmm. what they call their uh, in, cr- in rowing or crew sorry just, if I'm, just a boathouse I, a boathouse yeah sorry I'm, I'm blowing the terminology <laughs> but um but it's great, like you know, it's a it's they're nonprofit organizations um, that are allowed to operate. You know, these our club is a nonprofit organization, so it's really all about giving the kids a, a, a healthy just activity to get into to connect with their culture. Um, for anyone, it's a healthy outlet just to, you know, be out in the water. The experiences you get from it are just – it's its incredible. It's really unique out here. Um, e- even though there's canoe clubs and popping up all over the West Coast and now on the East Coast and interior parts of the country, It's the style uh, is a little different out here.
0: Yeah. The club scene is so important to paddle sports. Just that – Yeah you know, that community and that uh, someone to go with someone to teach you not only how to do it, but how to do it in a safe way. And, you know, that, that translates into river paddling and, you know, what you're doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a good way to put it. Like the, the club, the club scene is really, um, integral part of paddling for a lot of people.
0: When did your first race, what, what, how did you go from showing up in this club to stepping up to the start line?
1: Yeah. So like just out here you, you hear about, you just have the coconut wireless just feeding you all these information. <laughs>
0: coconut wireless.
1: And, and so honestly, at first you're just hearing all this buzz and banter about paddle events or races or battles of rivalries across channels and stuff. And at first it's just like, oh cool, that stuff's rad. Like it's like being a novice mountain climber and you're hearing guys talk about climbing Everest. You're like, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, like it's above my head, but it's fun to listen to and follow the stories. But then eventually you kind of get invited in. You're like, dude, do you want to do this event? Do you want to do this race, or are you going to do this race? I heard you got a stand-up. <laughs> once I once I owned a board, it was kind of like, oh, you have a race board, you should go race and it was really kind of a natural thing like you know that was what the scene was doing um you know even when you go for a fun run on a downwinder out here it's kind of like an unofficial race with whoever's out there whether it's another stand-up paddler or a one man so you just kind of like um really just kind of get invited into it and it's your choice to commit or or you know just kind of shy away and um so i i I eased into it i did like a few local races here and then after you know having good success on the maliko run um which is like our our good downwind run out here on maui it was like okay now i can train and i can look at doing a um maui to molokai crossing which is um it's a little bit easier than the Molokai to Oahu crossing because the wind is at a more favorable direction um on that course and um yeah so just you know that was kind of the big big you know kind of challenge I wanted to to go after at first and this is like early 2013 um and so you know in june 2013 i did my first channel crossing did really did pretty good amongst the field of like racers and decided that yeah like this is i'm, I'm really into this the sport is young and kind of just now kind of forming into like a professional race league and a professional surfing uh, paddle surfing series so i was See, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in. The next move is like, I got to go to California and get out of the Hawaii scene and meet the, the bigger SUP community. And on that trip in the fall of 2013, I did the Battle of the Paddle. Um, there was like a US SUP tour going on back then, which was another race and surf series. And just, you know, the networking and friendship I made on that trip really just kind of started. Um, my, I guess, career as a stand-up paddleboard racer.
0: Describe to me the Molokai to Oahu.
1: Oh man, dude, that's it's it's like our Mount Everest of of for paddlers. A I mean, paddle- I've
0: I've seen so many iconic pictures of it, and uh-huh. I've actually stared out from the beach where you go, but. I mean, just the big swells, people disappearing, the videos, the whole nine yards, but just start with right from the stop. Where where it's at, what makes it special. Just just paint yeah. the whole
1: scene. So yeah, like to me that and that's kinda of what you have to do. Like to me, I had so much I'd been around so much conversation and hype around this event before I ever got to a point where I thought even about registering or training for this event. So there's all these, like, just build up about, like, dude, this is crazy. This is the gnarliest channel. Mentally, it's, it's tougher mentally than it is physically. Um, the currents are crazy. The backwash is crazy. China wall, China wall. You, you know, you hear about China wall, and you're like, oh. And it is nuts. I mean, um, so you start on the west end of, of Molokai. You have about 27 miles of, of open ocean. Between you and the island of Oahu, but your course is on is 32 miles. So you get about 27, 28 miles of open ocean. You hit as you get to Oahu, you have big cliffs um, that they call the China Wall area, and then that ricochets all this, all that open ocean energy is ricocheting off of you. These winds that are causing these windswells were created thousands of miles ago like you you're you're the first object in the middle of the pacific ocean so all that wind and wave and current energy is just sweeping through this channel and it's kind of coming from right to left at about almost a 45 degree angle so you're trying to go this way but the ocean is really trying to go this way so you're always fighting that influence and um you know, you, you have times where the the faster ground swells stack, uh, you know, kind of meet up with the wind swells on top, and you know, even though your boat, your escort boat, is 30 feet away from you, they'll disappear, you know, for five, 10 seconds, and that's like, you know, boats with like a big tower without riggers on it, and you're still they're disappearing. So I mean, you're you really are in like a playing in a in an insanely chaotic fun but dangerous environment when you're on that channel crossing and um so that's kind of like what the water conditions are typically like usually the first half is pretty fun most years it's always been really fun for the first 16 miles then some years it starts getting really bad at mile 16 and just gets worse as you finish other years it doesn't the, the the worst part doesn't hit you until the last eight miles. So you have, you know, you kind of have this like you starts off good, and you know, after, over the years of doing it, it's like, oh, it's good now, but what is it gonna be like when I get halfway or three fourths of the way there? Um. So there's just there's just so much to it, man. I I mean I I could really talk about Molokai to Oahu for hours, like just the whole preparation, the mind. The mindset before, during, and after. Um, but I'll, I'll try to I'll try to keep it brief. Um, but it really is just there's so much stimulation going on. You, you know, you're you're constantly thinking about all your equipment, your logistics. You're thinking about your line. You're thinking about you know your competitors. Um, you, you know, you're just all these you're trying to absorb all these factors and just build a strategy for it and um and and then you're trying to sleep you know the night before and all it's just it's i love about it and it's hard to like it's hard to hold back really um but i'll try to i'll try to you know give you a good stopping point so you can kind of organize the conversation better
0: yeah yeah no i love it so how does the start work and how do the support boats work
1: yeah, um, so you have to have a support boat for this race. Um, it's mandatory, um, and and so that can be pretty crazy. Um, you know, I've had three different escort boat drivers over the six years. Um, had one guy, you know, repeat with me because he's just so great. We work together well. Um, I've never had bad experiences with escort boat drivers. It's just, you know, one year this guy was available, or this guy wasn't, his boat broke down. Um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, try to find a boat driver based off of price, to be honest with you, um, because just the overall budget for that race is, gets, is really high, even for someone like me that's kind of local. But, um, you know, you also want to try to find someone that's experienced. Um, you definitely don't want to get a new, somebody that's new out there, never ran that channel, because literally they could run you over when they're doing a water drop for you. If they're dropping a bag or something and they're not paying attention, like it it can happen. Um, And, and so you definitely want to make sure you you get, you get kind of organized with that. It's always different depending on where your guy's coming from, how you get there, how you meet up with them, how your board gets there. Um, Yeah. Like my, my, my guy, Uh, It's been coming from Maui the last couple of years. So that's great because I actually hop on, I bring everything on his boat. He gets me over to the start line. We hang out on Molokai for about a day and a half before the race, usually to kind of settle in, get acclimated. My boat driver takes a vacation on those days and just goes explores and hangs out. He's a really kind of let's go have fun type of guy. So he gives, he provides pretty good vibes when I'm like all focused and serious. He's really chilled and laid back um so that's kind of my style with things I, I love having everything together but you know some people will be like on sunday morning looking for their boat driver to meet them for the first time <laughs> and have all the bags over because their boat driver from oahu they came over from maui it, it's insane even when you know your boat and you talk to them on on race day there's a 150 to 200 boats out there in this tight little space. And so you're trying to wave them down. You're trying to, they're trying to find you. There's, you know, there's all this, has, you know, everyone's trying to get it done too in time before their race. And everybody's got this like intensity about them that they're like, look, I, I'm doing a big race today. Like, I got to get my bags over there. Or I want to make sure my water pack is protocol is set up with my my handler and it's, it's kind of a, it's just like a dash, you know, you're like dodging boats, you're, you're, you're seeing your friends, but you're not trying to get too caught up in conversation because you have your to-do list that you're working on. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's fun though, man. Cause like, you know, that's the, that's the day, um, your, your adrenaline's pumping from like the time I wake up. Um, and, and so, yeah, the start's, starts pretty pretty you know just a little little hectic at times um you know there's all that all that just excitement to get started
0: is it a beach start or are you behind buoys or how does all that
1: so you start out just like a 100 yards off the shore off of molokai um it it's it's always like cool when you're like, okay, this is. I'm leaving Molokai. These are the last steps on Molokai. I'm on my board in the water now. Go out to the boat, tell them, okay, here we go, we got 15 minutes left, 10 minutes, are, I'm heading over to the start. You're waiting in the start, kind of nervous conversation, laughter with your friends that you're racing, you know, you're sitting next to, and you kind of wanna, I like to start next to the guys that I'm gonna race against. Uh, unless they're doing something weird, like sitting way south or way north, and then I'll just play my own game. But usually, I like to honestly go sit with my friends and chat and kind of like, all right, man. Like I hope you have a good crossing. I hope we get to, you know, share some laughs on the other side and hope I can see the, you know, hope I can keep up with you. You know, like a, a lot of the guys on the unlimited boards, I like to joke with them. Like, all right, man, you got to show me the way. I'm gonna follow you guys. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool to think about that. Like, cause when you, when you ask me those questions, like it just, it flashes back. Like I, I, I go there and I'm at the start line and you know, I've had six of these where I'm like the first one so nervous and even, you know, now talking about it, I'm getting like a little, you know, like <laughs> I can tell, I can see you and, jumping like,
0: around.
1: It makes me want to honestly, I'm like, Oh, I got to go battle. <laughs>
0: so you're at. The, take us back to that first race. I mean, you show up there. Obviously, you're around all of these people who. I mean, you're basically right there amongst the giants, you know, of the sport and whatnot in the region. Here you are. You show up, fully wet behind the ears. How did it go? Getting ready for that was it smooth? Was it
1: chaotic?
0: Were you prepared?
1: not nah, I, was, I was I mean I was it was my first time and I was so I just yeah naive to how how much um you needed to pay attention to all your your logistics and attention to details with that um so getting over you know was getting over there was a little unorganized wasn't sure where I was going to be staying I was kind of relying on the help of someone else that you know was my uh, sponsor at the time was you know he had been there so he was like oh i got you don't worry i got a boat for you i got a board for you i got accommodation i i'll pick you up all this and that but like molokai is a really you've been on molokai you said yeah so you witnessed how isolated that place is how different things operate over there you really you know, you're going to be lost no at who you are on your first trip to Molokai, I feel like. You know, just you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. I, I don't know, you know, and so it was, it was, it's funny to think about that, like just who I was staying with and stuff. Like um, the, the guys I was staying with, you know, they weren't racing at all. They were just, they loved, they loved the energy of the racing though. They loved doing the, being on the boats during the crossing to, like, see see the conditions and see the athletes, you know. And, and my sponsor was on my race boat, on my support boat this time. This is the owner, Rick Carr, of Rogue Sup. And, um, man, he brings his buddy Tony from the Big Island over. They're, Steve, they're enjoying life. Like, kind of, Because a cool place. Tony has connections. <laughs> I mean, like, I... I love Rick, dude. I love telling these kind of stories of like me going, like me staying with Rick on race nights and me being like, dude, Rick, it's like 1 a.m. and you Gotta stop partying. <laughs> like, I gotta race hey, tomorrow, brother. Don't get up and party with you right now. Like, tomorrow night, I will. You know, I will. <laughs> so we had like, oh man, that was just one of those nights. You know, I'm like, oh man, trying to stuff. You know, toilet paper in my ears <laughs> to the boys just laughing and stuff. But um, it's good. You know, I, 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 I tend to take things a little bit relaxed at first because otherwise I might get a little bit overstressed in the preparation or the anxiety of like building up to an event. So maybe going in underprepared was good for that first one. It was a hard learning experience at certain points. Um, I, I really didn't have my equipment dialed in. My board wasn't dialed in at all. It it arrived with the escort boat from Oahu because of the board I was going to use um, thus it got buckled during transportation. I was traveling to go do a Maliko run and a strap broke and the board tacoed back and so it was like, oh, I had a new board for that race. It was a little tough at the end. Rick, the owner of Rogue, was on my escort boat. And I was doing pretty good for about the three-fourths of the race. And then the last eight miles of the race was re- getting really tough for me. The board was really narrow. I was hitting that nasty backwash. So my legs were just really jelloy, And it just didn't have the strength to balance. And I was going in the water a lot. I was falling but I was moving when I was up um but Rick would just he he was uh he's like oh yeah you see that boat up there that's third place you need to get that boat and he's <laughs> he he I knew he was lying because the boat in front of me was supporting a prone paddle. <laughs> so like, i mean he and you know he's just trying to motivate me like get me you know go josh go just cause that was the kind of guy he is and i'm like i see your games Rick no no man i'm about to put you on this board <laughs> and so that was you know that was my first experience Molokai like having those ups and downs having that really low having those really low points though like where you're just mentally like oh my god what am i how am I gonna get through this? Like my legs are shot. I still got eight miles to go. I'm in like 10 to 15 foot seas with backwash and current running. Continue. Like it that 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 those moments in in the Molokai to Oahu really, I think, um weigh on you a lot afterwards when I mean, you really kind of have time to work through like how you felt how the run went and how you got through those really low points um really is a big part that attracts me to coming back to kaii just knowing that it's not gonna be like a dream run every every stroke or every mile there's gonna be some hard hard miles and some low points hopefully with some high some high points you know
0: what's changed before I get into this, what's the attrition rate? How many people have to get on their support boat? Oh, uh,
1: you know, I don't, I don't know what the statistic is. Like out of the 200 paddlers that sign up, how many don't finish? Um, I would say it's probably under, it's around probably 10% okay. on normal years. And then, um, I, I know we had one really tough year. It was 2015 um, where we had that was the record attrition rate or number of of non finishers, and it was like, I mean, honestly, the it was it, it was like the top five guys really. It was it was insane some names <laughs> that dropped out on that race. Um, so. So, yeah, so that, that 2015 year, like not not to to call anyone out because you know I've 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 had a race where I wasn't able to finish, um, and we all have our reasons for sure. Um, but you know there were some really good guys like Connor Baxter, who was a defending champion. Um, guys, you know Jeremy local Hawaii talents like Jeremy Riggs, Livio um slater trout like huge names were coming over the intercom that year just like he's pulling out he's had to retire he's cramping up and can't get back on his board or you know like you're just epic it that was a that was a that was the tough year and that was my second year and so after doing the first one thinking i'd messed up made that one as tough as it had to have been and it wasn't gonna get worse than that (laughs) the second year (laughs) And this is the this is the channel always does this, and you think you kind of got it figured out. You, you might have had it for a while, but then things change, and you're like, "Holy cow!" Like that second year ended up being the hardest one. It, it definitely, when I look back at it, it haunts me. It's like, "Oh, that hurt." You know, that was a tough one.
0: If there was some kid in California, in North Carolina, in Florida, and their goal. Is to is to do this crossing, to do this event. What are some pieces of advice you'd give them
1: Definitely connect with me. Um, this is my favorite race to do. I, I've been doing it for six years in a row now. I was going to do it. This was going to be my seventh one this year. We're not having it, unfortunately. But I, I have learned a lot from my mistakes, and so a, a lot of a lot of of it can just come in preparation and just. You know, working through, um, you know that checklist before you get to Molokai is really the best way to approach it. Um, there's there are some killer resources on the websites, like the event page website. Um, there's there's some really good training advice on that website. Um, that I would recommend checking out. I um, just started actually doing this. Um offering this coaching, service, this coaching service on my new website that I built recently and that's really going to kind of work with people on on achieving a goal like doing a Molokai to Oahu. So it, it does take a lot of planning. You need to sort out what kind of board you're going to be on first. Um, you need to sort that out if you're going to do unlimited or stock. I really recommend doing a relay at first because it's cheaper to do it that way. You kind of share in the one the expenses but also just in the learning experiences too that might be a little costly at first when you make mistakes kind of you know um so i really i really promote doing it as a really a relay at first if you can especially if you want to do a solo maybe the next year because that will give you so much experience to better prepare you for a solo um However, it's definitely possible to just go after a solo if you have the time to prepare for it. But it's about a four-month minimum, I think, preparation time. Ideally, the more time, the better to prepare. Um, yeah. So,
0: if someone is living, let's say, on the Gulf Coast, you know, in Florida or where, or you know, wherever, and they want to do this event, how do they find the conditions? What would you say? What would you say to them to do the best they could to mimic this event?
1: Yeah. So I would. So like in. So ideally, you know, you'd come out here um, before the event and make sure to test your equipment, do some Maliko runs. That's a pretty common way people will come over from like Australia, California, Florida, come up, warm up out here. But before you do that, you definitely want to just give yourself as much time, kind of, you know paddling in some ugly water in your, in your home area. Um, and, and so if, if you have, if you have access to rough choppy water, maybe, uh, in Florida, there's a lot of seawalls, and, you know, you just try to find a very active area as far as boat traffic goes, that's going to kick up a lot of wakes. Um, especially if you can get a sea breeze or a windy afternoon run, and kind of put yourself through just the ugliest water basically you can find. Um, and that will really give you a sense of what to kind of, what you'll feel out there on Molokai to Oahu. The The Pacific Ocean is the biggest body of water out there. So our our bumps that we're seeing out here in Hawaii are way bigger than what you're seeing in Florida, Um or even places like hood river oregon so you really really want to spend the time just getting used to being in some ugly water um grinding through some ugly water not just doing like a mile or two and that stuff but going for 10 miles two hours in that just right rough nasty stuff looking for ways to work with the bumps and chops you have rather than just grinding through it um you know, those are, those are the things I would do if I was in Florida. Um, and then I would definitely, you know, I definitely really promote coming out here as early as possible. Um, depending on what your situation is, you know, even if it's just a week early just to get in a few runs that will really help. Um,
0: what through all of your racing and your, your professional career on a, on a paddleboard, what's been your lowest moment?
1: Um, my, my lowest moment was not finishing my uh, race. Um, the first year I went to Hood River, Oregon, we had the, um, we have this big event out there. I'm not sure how familiar you are with that event. It's in August called the Gorge Paddle Challenge. It's, um, has, it features this uh, double down, this double downwind event where you do two eight mile runs on this course. And, um, Man, I just, first year traveling abroad, not just, you know, staying on my P's and Q's as far as, like, rest, nutrition, and recu- in, in stuff like that. Um, first time in Hood River, so I was just having so much fun doing, you know, three downwind runs a day on that river, and just exploring the mountains and all that. So, like, come, you know, the race day, um, I just... Poured it out, didn't have the right nutrition in me, on my second eight-mile run, I I passed out, like, just woke up laying on, like, just on my board, I was dragging on my board, and I was in the, in the shallow part where my feet were kind of, like, just kind of bumping on the bottom, like, what? I could feel, like, river grass and the seafloor, so I was paddling, and my water, I don't know if it leaked out or whatnot, and... I was just getting all kinds of lightheaded and stuff and, and, um, and yeah, just like the, everything just kind of closed in on me and I, well, I woke up on my board and I'm just like kind of drifting off. I'm like off to the side of the course. So I'm watching like people in the midfield, mid pack of the race, you know, just kind of coming up and I'm just, I was just out of it. I was like, wow, I feel like I took a nap. I woke up on my board. I was super out of it. And thankfully there's a person on a wave runner teaching their kid how to kite surf near this area. So I, uh, and there was, there was a storm coming, like a thunderstorm coming. So the wind had stopped. And so the kid, they were unpacked, they're packing their stuff up and they're, they're just having like a weekend together. And so like, I'm like dead. I see him. I walk like a hundred yards to go get to them. And I'm like, Hey, I think I need help. Like I, I passed out in this race. Um, I knew that their boat ramp was likely where I was going anyway, so I asked them like could you take me there? You know, that'd be helpful and and so that was um that was kind of my lowest point like coming in like on the back of a wave runner and just being like man, what the what happened? Like I was pushing myself and kind of not, you know, just was just trying to push past that like voice in my head to like slow down, stop, you're not feeling right and that was kind of the a really hard lesson. I'm like, whoa I passed. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I collapsed or passed out, and I kind of shook, shook, woke up again, and that was, dude. That was fun. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That is so scary. So, did any of the other racers see you go down? Were there any stories later, or like, were you communicating at all? Were you just straight up out?
1: Yeah, I was like, I I was super out of it. Like, I came into the beach. I was all flushed and stuff, and I, I. I just had this craving for like sugar and food. I was like, just give me. I like, I just want something to eat. Like I was just like, just give me some food and stuff. Like I just felt empty. So I was. I remember that, and and then really like only I only remember seeing one friend of mine because I like went not a not not I don't know maybe like 200 yards off course kind of like off to the side. You know, we're in a river, so everybody's kind of in more of the middle part of this section and I was went more to like one of the banks. And so I remember like seeing people just people were probably wondering like, what is this guy doing over there? Like he just stopped and um yeah, I remember seeing just one friend that I recognized and then I saw him at the end of the race and he was like, Yeah dude, I saw you over there and I just knew you're having a tough time but you're I wasn't like, yes I was I wasn't, like, unconscious like that in the water or anything, thank God. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, every you have those, two, Like, in I, I've seen that a lot in, like, paddle races. Like, um, you know, you every once in a while somebody won't be on their right just nutrition or rest or something, and then they have an, a jet lag gets them. Um, you know, usually I throw up before I get to this point. and and that's happened a handful of times during a race or, or more typically right after a race, like right after a hard effort, like sprinting beach run, I have this tendency to throw up
0: on the flip side. What, what sticks out as the, at the top,
1: (laughs) not having those moments, (laughs) 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 having those down at those, those, those ones where I'm like, Oh man, I'm all off. (sighs) You know, honestly, setting the new course record at Molokai to Oahu was was a pretty high high moment for me like i i'd had that like goal you know for a long time now but it was never something that i was like really obsessing over like i got to beat this record i got to beat this record because it was almost like so such a fast time that I was like it's it's just great that you're you're finishing that 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 crossing every time you finish it it's an accomplishment in itself um but then just having everything line up last year like right before like the day before the race i was seeing it i was like oh the, the current's good the wind forecast is staying good my board feels great you know i was like i think this could be my shot like i've had other races where it was where i was close but then if you know, the, the pace changed over time and I fell off the pace. But this year, it was just, last year, it was just kind of everything really lined up for me. And so for everything to line up like that on a Molokai to Oahu race was pretty awesome because there's so many, there was so much preparation involved in it um, that it, it wasn't like just doing good at any other race. Like there was so much work you did prior to it that it was really rewarding to to accomplish that goal
0: that's so rad what do you do to get ready for that event what's your training look like
1: um it it's kind of like twofold like really it the first half of my year um gets me kind of halfway there but it's really more the first half is focusing on carolina cup type of racing and performing like in that flat water all water small downwind grind um and then that kind of gets me halfway there for my 32-mile race. So after I come home from Carolina Cup, usually it's prioritized with downwinding as much as possible. And usually I come home, you know, right now is kind of when I'd really be turning on the the, the focus for Molokai to Oahu, and it's just go do 10-mile Maliko runs as much as possible. Sometimes I can, some days... Because I live so far away and stuff, I can only get one run in. But if I can, I'll try to get two or three runs in on a day. And um, and usually it's just get it's get Maliko miles in and, and just ride bumps, um, pushing my You know, some of it's pushing as hard as I can just to go for like personal best on that run when the conditions kind of show the options, the opportunity for it. And then other times it's emulate the paddling you'd be doing at a 75% effort. Like when you're tired at 20 miles into a race, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have that full strength like you do in the beginning. So, you know, work on surfing more kind of, um, efficiently rather than just work on the, on the cardio. Um, and, and so, yeah, and and out here it's, it's such a, is I live in the best place I really feel like to train for this event and so I try to take advantage of this of that opportunity
0: what's your diet like what's your thoughts on diet
1: I'm pretty um, pretty into my my cooking like I I like to cook a lot of my own meals Um, I mean at least when I'm at home I'm I almost never eat out at all so um, I, I definitely am like pretty picky you know a lot of uh, a lot of fruit and stuff during the daytime like I'm almost like a daytime vegetarian or vegan Um, but then at night I'll usually have like a big a big meal with a lot of veggies rice quinoa and a protein like steak chicken turkey or something like that fish Um, definitely um, we'll we'll kind of you know try to keep it pretty pretty consistent like if i know i'm going to be training hard today or let's say i have a like i'm going to do two Maliko runs tomorrow tonight i'm going to really make sure i have a good meal um like i'm really about making sure i have the right nutrition in me to to make my training session most effective and then the same for racing obviously i want to make sure that I'm putting, I'm carbon up the night before, um, I'm eating functional food during the day. If I'm doing multiple runs, you know, you can't go and have a big old cheeseburger during lunch. You got to have fruits, banana, you know, a lot of bananas, dates, smoothies, stuff like that. Backing up,
0: you, you mentioned earlier that you had started a website, um, that was a coaching resource. Tell me a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so um I've I've always been really into to coaching and just that reward of like sharing your knowledge and stoke with others. Like I, I always grew up playing I grew up playing hockey really competitively and so I had really good coaches from a very really young age that just really allowed me to enjoy the benefits of having a good coach and mentor. So not that I'm really trying right now to just project myself as like an as a mentor but more so just as like a coaching resource like I've been there I've done these mistakes so don't do these don't do this try this stuff um I I I I work with some kids out here uh, with a buddy of mine that's a counselor at like a youth center and he's he got him out there on his own downwinding and he's taking like you know sometimes only five kids but in certain cases there's like 10 teens maybe not even even teenagers out downwinding and so when I was like I got to get involved with this these kids are so cool it's so so fun to work with the kids especially that I like I want to connect um especially with the way things are going this year I'd always wanted to get into this but it was wasn't I just didn't want to start the project when I couldn't get into it the right way um with this little extra amount of free time I'm given now I'm really psyched to kind of jump into this um I also started um, coaching recently for a, uh, a high school team out here. I'm a high school surf coach. Oh, cool! Or was I should say I was briefly until the season got canceled because of the buyers. But it was, it was just another way, like another outlet of coaching that was showing me that I, I really enjoy this. I really enjoy working with with kids, especially anyone that's just motivated to get better. But especially the kids that are motivated to go out there and train or looking at doing their a Molokai to a Wahoo solo. Like, I just feel like it's a natural transition to want to still compete at a very high level, but also start to show and share that success with others. And just maybe, even if it's just conversation and stuff, just help them sort out their trips and plan their events. Help them find a boat driver for Molokai or something like that. So I'm still kind of the verbiage for it all, but it's something I'm really psyched about. I've had
0: some very rewarding experiences coaching myself, so I can definitely relate to that.
1: Yeah. It's something
0: about that period. And really this is kind of the gist of this whole show, is that period of taking an idea or taking a goal and getting to that. Like it's awesome to, to break the record, in the race, and to actually have it happen, but a lot of the magic was staying disciplined, staying motivated, going through all of the actual, you know, eating right, not going out, not staying out late, you know, all of that that led up to it. You know, mm. I don't know. That's uh, no,
1: I, I, I totally agree, and that's that's been one of the rewarding things I've kind of learned from paddling is just the the reward of just. Setting goals and being able to go after them and accomplishing just that that feat of paddling 32 miles, starting on one island and finishing on Oahu. Like, I think that's such a great thing that SUP can kind of offer to everyone as, like, just a bigger, broader life lesson. And especially for kids, it's like, dude, look, like, what do you think about, you know, I, I, hearing a teenager want to paddle 32 miles from Molokai to Oahu gets me so psyched that I'm like, dude – I'm. I'm, I want want to help you get there. I was actually. It was really like crazy, but there's this there's this really talented kid out here um, named Bobo Gallagher. Um, Most people just know him as Bobo, but um, he's this little this you know waterman little water kid phenom. um, Really now into foiling and and um, he he was going to do his first full um, solo foil crossing. From Molokai to Oahu, and his and he wanted to do it last year. He was only like ele- he's only 11 this year. He was gonna be 10 last year. Jesus, the organizers were like, "Look, we we're we're kind of strict. <sighs> Got to be at least a teenager. Like, come back in three years, and we'll we'll be happy to sign him up." And he just never quit. Like he just and he, I mean, I paddle with him. I go do Maliko runs with him. Sometimes we're on the foil together. Sometimes I'm on my raceboard and I'm kind of like chasing him or just behind him. Um and so like, you know, the dad was like it, you know, Bobo was like persistent. He's like, Dude, I really want in like so he, he kept pressuring his dad to pressure the organizers to let him in. And so this year the dad hits me up and was like, Hey, do you think it's possible? Am I being a crazy father push you know, my kids or am I fostering something that's real? And I'm like, dude, this is like he is so prepared to do it and It is, I I get it. It's so hard to understand that this, what this 11 year old is trying to go, but it's so awesome that these, this sport creates that in you. You want to go after something that you first think as kind of like just really daunting, at least intimidating. To me, it was near just like, I'm never going to do a solo crossing, whatever. I'll just be a, a cruisy paddler, do my short run but um yeah just the just just seeing that kind of fire in kids um just really i it impresses me every time i see it and so i always just want to like i kind of become a fan of them and i'm like yeah dude here you go here's here's what would help you yeah i love that yeah
0: what about what about paddle boarding what about sup in general what do you think about the direction of the sport? Where do you see, you know, the excitement at? What do you see? I mean, how do you see the tour, the events, um, divisions? What's your, what's 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 the gossip in the sport right now?
1: Yeah, um, I mean it. It just depends on where you look and what what lens you're kind of looking through. Um, like for instance, if you looked at Maui the paddling trend in Maui has gone from, has gone, the boards have gone really short. No one, a lot less people are doing downwind runs on an unlimited or 14 footer, but there's a lot more people foiling than ever. Sup foiling, interesting. Um, wing foiling, um, you know, the, the high performance side of surf, you don't see too many people on high performance surf subs out here anymore. But you, I'm still seeing a lot of new people on the recreation boards that are kind of that are bridged that gap from recreation to just starting now to catch and learn how to learn how to ride in surf waves, like a nine um, footer, nine and a half yeah. footer kind of thing. Yeah. Boards that are yeah. kind of cruisey kind of surfable. Um, but then if you look at like I look at I go to Florida and I'm like, Ooh, the race scene is getting bigger here to where I almost would claim that florida has a big the biggest racing scene in the states over california now and i used to always kind of think california was the was the leader in that regard um the you know the the most competitive races like in the flat water technical stuff have shifted over to europe where they used to be kind of more hawaii based and and focused so there's definitely trends like it seems a little bit quieter in Maui, but then you you, you go foiling and you're like, nah, these, that's where that's what everyone's doing now. Um, Maui definitely tends to have that attitude, like of just people want to do what's fun and just exciting them. And a lot of the people out here are just lifelong watermen and waterwomen, where they've 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 surfed, they longboard, they windsurf, they kite surf. Now they've sup, they they got into racing downwinding or whatever on the paddleboard now they're into foiling now they're into wing foiling (laughs) what's the draw of the foiling
0: is it just you can there's just so much faster
1: you know i I, it's just so it's just such a different experience as far as the the feel of riding it does feel i mean it, it it feels a lot like you're you're hovering right above the water and just that Just that that slight altitude of being two and a half feet above the surface of the water on a wave where you're usually feeling that wave. You're feeling the contact of your board with the surface of that water when you're doing carves and stuff like that. On your on your foil, you're you're just not. And it's it's to me, I just can't get over that feeling of cruising on a on a foil board. Like it just is such a such a sensation that's not relatable to any other boards Um, i'm I'm
0: intrigued for sure
1: so i yeah like it and and it definitely has its sketchiness to it as well there is this balance you, you you're feeling it as you're riding you're like this is a this feeling of not contacting the surface and feeling the bumps and just going right over things is blowing your mind at the same time, you're so hyper focused on staying balanced and centered, um, that I, I, to me, I think it relates more to slackline than anything else.
0: Wow!
1: Yeah. So that, that's that's how it's why I think it's kind of hard to relate it to a lot of people because you we're we're surfers or we're board riders and we're trying to relate it to that, but it really is different in, a, in so many aspects, um, and com- that I, I really felt like the balance relates more to standing on a slack line than the board relates more to surfing or anything else.
0: Right.
1: So, right. yeah, it's
0: slack line.
1: It, yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, man, it's, 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 it really is like a struggle to describe it and in, in and doing it justice you know Um, so what do
0: you think is going to happen here in the 2020 season i mean for the events the upcoming event i mean obviously everything's been canceled at this point and i mean what events do you see yourself actually possibly going to
1: yeah you know that's that is a good question i um we we still have one little event out we still have one event in Maui that hasn't canceled yet um I'm almost expecting it to though so it's, I think it's honestly we we might not be seeing a 2020 race season I don't think at least not not that not any races that looked like the old races where there is 100 people 100 people on a start line and 100 more hanging out afterwards and talking about their race I know there's going to be a lot of virtual racing going on and, you know, we'll, we'll all kind of have fun dabbling with that. Um, I don't think any of it will be too serious. Like, you know, there won't be anybody that's going to be touting like the virtual world race champ or anything, <laughs> you know, if it drags on long enough, it, it might, yeah. um,
0: maybe the only option.
1: I, I definitely know that like a, a lot of the, the top racers and, you know, friends of mine that I, racing against and stuff we just we're all kind of just trying to reevaluate what the best move is moving forward as far as our training goes because most right now this time of year we'd be so just deep into the focus of training preparing a lot of us would be going over to europe soon or even just me i'm looking forward to the last sunday of july thinking molokai to oahu this time of year so so we're all kind of like weighing out, like what what you know, there's that one train of thought, like what do we train for? And then I know I'm thinking like, all right, if I if I'm not going forward with racing, if I'm not going forward, I'm going backwards as far as conditioning and speed goes. So I've I've kind of on the trend now where I'm like, well, I'm just gonna kind of stick. To my regimen as much as possible, and just act like things. I just try to stick to normal as much as possible because I feel like that's the only way I get faster each. You know, building on each season anyway, so it doesn't make sense to kind of just pause on 2020, drop, and then work hard to get back up to where I was maybe earlier this year. I want to keep going. I want to keep getting faster. Um, so I'm. I'm really kind of trying to just approach things really like normal as much as as much as i can
0: has molokai been canceled
1: yeah yeah so they had to cancel that one pretty early just you know being well aware of the logistical efforts it takes to make it happen for everyone they didn't want to upset anybody making a huge trip from australia or europe so, I, you know, I think they made a wise cause, a, a wise call calling it early. Um, and they were, they were awesome about that, sending out, you know, notifications to everybody that had registered and stuff and kind of giving us the options to pass our registration on to next year or request a, a refund. Um, and they're actually one of the events that are going to, they're going to do a virtual race in July for that day so we'll try to i'm going to get involved with that but uh
0: how are they going to do that
1: so the the full details haven't been sorted out um but i i think one i've heard that they're going to do like a 20 mile the the course the distance is going to be 20 miles so i think you can paddle any 20 mile distance i think it has to be a continuous 20 miles um but it can be anywhere around the world i think it just has to be on that day um which is like i think it's july 26th the last sunday of july um i just did one with a friend um from like they she lives on the north shore of oahu and they have a little race series over there and they did a virtual race where she was the parameters were it's a relay race so you get to pick a partner you you both race a either a three-mile, six-mile, or 12-mile distance for a total of, you know, the six, 12, or 24-mile race. And you have to start and finish in the same area, take a photo of your GPS or, your, you know, your, your, your data, and any footage you can send with it to is welcome because they actually have a partnership with the local TV station out here that's called the Paddle Channel the OC paddler and so they kind of will run that on their little program how Um, how,
0: was it fun how did it go
1: yeah so honestly it was kind of cool to like have a relay a virtual relay race with a friend um just like sorting out like all right well what distance do you want to do like three mile do you want to make it easy and just paddle three miles each or like no let's make it hard and we both were kind of like you know trying not to like push the other one but then we were both like all right yeah let's do 12 miles like let's (laughs) both you know like, what else are we? You know, a lot of it is also like, what else are we doing? Like, we gotta keep moving. So that escalated um, quickly. Yeah, no, that was, <laughs> it was like how. Cause, you know, I told, like, she invited me to do it, and I'm like, hey, I didn't want to like be like. Well, let's do the 12 mile race each. Like, you know, yep. whatever you want, I'm fine with that. Um, so it was cool, and I was just like, you know, just chatted about what the conditions were like and stuff, somewhat like what you would do after a race. Um so it was it was cool i mean it's it's better than nothing i'll i will say i will say that um and i think you know as as things progress people will just find ways to make it more fun as you know people get creative to make it more engaging or exciting for those who participate um so so yeah we'll we'll see how that goes
0: what else is going on for uh the rest of the twenty twenty year. Do you have any? I mean, I guess. I mean, are you island bound the whole twenty twenty?
1: Uh, no, I don't. I don't want to be. Um, I'm, I'm definitely following the local guidelines and travel, you know, guidelines as much as possible. We're actually um, still pretty restricted out here in Hawaii, um, in comparison to the other states. Um, you know, everything is just different out here just we always you always tend to see like a little hawaiian style done to everything out here and right. The same lockdown like we've been able to surf and access the ocean the whole time But now we're being like really restricted on you know, no sitting on the beach or no congregating we got to wear masks and all that stuff. Um, but I really am dying to get back to Florida um, I started a new um, partnership With this company called Flying Fish Board Co., they make uh, custom race custom boards based out of Florida. And so, you know, with the start of that relationship, it's we've been working on a new downwind board. We were going to race it on Molokai to Oahu, and that was going to be, you know, the new the new board. Um, And so we we did so much work on the off season building up that board. Um, And so that's really kind of just the focus this year right now, like talking to all my friends in similar situations and then, you know, my, my, you know, sponsorships and partnerships I have, everybody's just like, okay, we're going to have to be flexible this year. All of our plans we had are going to need to be changed. And, you know, everyone's just kind of working together through it. Um, I'm going to be really just working hard to, I guess really create content, um, in place of, in place of uh, results and events. So, um, hopefully, I'll be producing some cool little videos, maybe some downwind videos, subsurf videos, tutorial stuff, kind of like what we did too. Just following up on that. Um, and then, as soon as I can, though, I do want to try to get to Florida to, um, you know, get in the water with the with the flying fish crew visit family and um you know if there's whatever vents are running that i can get to that i can travel to i'm i'm ready to go Uh I'm, i'm definitely not gonna sit out if i'm able to go i'm gonna go
0: yeah i don't think you're uh i don't think you're alone in that camp the whole thing with the situation we're in right now that's killing me is just the unknown i would so much rather it be we're not doing anything until april of next year or we're gonna do something in july you know it's that it's that unknown that's just kind of clawing at me
1: so for, for sure I, I definitely think that um uncertainty really you know affects a paddle a, a serious paddleboarder because you have all these goals you know, you have the schedule. Basically, you set up a training schedule to, you know, to meet these goals that you've set for yourself. And so, you know, a good paddler is pretty organized throughout the year, making sure that they're keeping on pace with their training and they're progressing and being, you know, prepared for that big 13 miler in Carolina or 32 miler. Um, and so, that uncertainty is definitely killing. Was killing me. So it was like. <laughs> what am I training? What is there to race? What races can I do this year? And I was like, you know, like I'm going to get slow and all this stuff, like anxiety was hitting me. But, um, so then that, that partly kind of pushed me to like, okay, I think I'm just going to continue my training as much as possible and just kind of stay on that program because that's how I'm going to see the best results. And, I mean, I don't, I don't want anyone to get slower in 2021, but I definitely, if there's a little edge for me to get ahead while everybody else is kind of taking a little, you know, back to it, to their training, like, I, I need it. I, I'm not, I'm breaking away from everybody in, in Carolina Cup, like, I'm, I'm hanging on that draft train like everyone else, so, like, I want to be in Carolina in 2021 and, everybody's like god dude josh's pace is annihilated that that's what i always want now i kind of almost see a little bit of like of an opportunity i think some people are not going to be able to commit and progress like they like you would usually see them turning lemons into lemonade definitely
0: is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this interview up
1: no honestly i mean really my my takeaways from all this is you know it's everyone's going through this um and and so just try to work and cooperate with the guidelines and restrictions you're given um but if you can obviously access the water and and stay active and paddling or productive go for it um that's really going to be rewarding if you look back at this time and you see you have progress you have Things that you can look back and be like, oh, I accomplished this. For me, April was building that website up and I was just so rewarding knowing that April wasn't just wasted away. Like it might have been for some and that's understandable too. But I think to get the best um, out of this situation, just kind of stay active, productive, and positive.
0: That's a great takeaway. Shut us down with some sponsor shout outs.
1: Yeah, um, well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show, for sure. I really appreciate just you know connecting with anyone, and to be invited to come on was really cool. Like that was <laughs> neat to hear that little backstory. Um, but I I am really grateful to be working with Flying Fish Board Co. This is the new board sponsor. They make custom race boards based out of Stuart, Florida. Awesome company. The owner is the shaper. Everybody that builds a board gets to start with a relationship with that owner and shaper. You talk with him about what you want, colors, all that stuff, specs, build your own personal board. It's it's an awesome experience to have a custom race board. So i definitely Sick. so pumped to be working with them um, for that reason alone. But they're a rad group of people, just all stoked paddlers, um, just really fun crew to be around basically like the sub community itself and then um you know you and me got connected through warner paddles and I I Love their paddles. I have a few hanging up behind me right now um, I've been using those paddles for 10 years now. I can't imagine how many strokes I've taken with a warner paddle in my hand that 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 is something I thought about with an m2o crossing you take over you take about over 12,000 paddle strokes to get across that 32 miles. And just to add on the years, and, and you could, you know, if your paddles had an odometer on it to show you how much time and hours you spend on your paddles, it just, you know, that's, it, it, some people just look at it and it's a paddle, but to me, it, it's more than that. And Warner's awesome to work with. Um, I definitely hope I get to see those guys up in Hood River this year. I, um, underneath my board, I have a VMG Blade fin, they're, VMG Blades is an awesome fin company, they make uh, carbon fiber race fins, super light, they got these crazy um, tool-less features about them, so you don't need no no screw or fin key, you can just pop it in and they work for all boards, which is rad, so check them out. Other than that. Workout at the Block Maui, out here in Lahaina Maui. They're a great gym. And Hawaiian Choice CBD provides me with CBD supplements, topicals, stuff like that. I really do like that stuff. It helps me sleep. It helps with the pain from paddling. Um, So definitely recommend getting on that if you're not already. Um, And, yeah, really, my girlfriend... She's awesome. She, tries, she does. She's a huge, you know, she's a big support for me, my family, uh, and my cat. <laughs> well, man,
0: it's always a pleasure to catch up. It's always a pleasure to get to get to cross pass. Hope to see you out at Carolina Cup next year. You know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Maybe, um, maybe uh, November eighth. They're actually postponed, so hopefully, yeah. Fingers postponed. crossed. Yeah, like I feel you. Like where can uh,
0: where can our audience follow you? Are you on Instagram, Facebook? What's your uh, what's your media of choice?
1: Yeah, I, I I definitely prefer the Instagram. It's just my my name, Josh Riccio, is my handle. Um, I'm on Facebook too, though, so you can definitely connect with me either way. And then I just uh, launched my website, which is joshriccio.com. So those are probably the main, uh, the three main ways to get a hold of me. Anything just paddle-related, just shoot it over to me. You don't have to worry about signing up for a coaching service program, but I like to talk paddle with anyone. So hit me up and, uh, yeah. There you go.
0: Go to joshriccio.com, and thank you, man, so much for taking the time.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, John. Have a great day. Stay, stay well. <laughs>